0: Designing an efficient hospital porter system. You're listening to Longwoods Radio, a twice-weekly showcase of our case studies focusing on hospital and healthcare operations. (laughs) Patient and equipment transport is an important function in hospitals that receives little management attention and is rarely the subject of an in-depth study. The importance of this function became evident during a study of CT scanner operations at Vancouver General Hospital which observed that one of the key factors affecting efficient use of CT scanners was the delay due to not having patients available for scans or not having patients removed from the scan rooms in a timely fashion due to an unavailability of porters. This is a common situation in hospitals. Expensive resources such as CTs, MRIs or operating rooms are blocked or starved due to the unavailability or delay of a less expensive resource such as a porter. One key recommendation of the CT scanner study is to add a dedicated porter to the scanner operations team who is responsible for bringing patients to the diagnostic area for scans and returning patients to their rooms after scans are complete. Another outgrowth of the CT scanner study is a follow-up studies of portering operations at Vancouver General Hospital and St. Paul's Hospital. This case study reports the recommendations for developing a centralized porter system at St. Paul's Hospital based on our review and comparison of porter operations in the two hospitals. Though there is a huge proliferation of articles and studies regarding healthcare and hospital administration, little attention has been given to porter operations. One such study is Bryan in 1998 where porter operations at Queen Elizabeth II Health Sciences Center in Halifax, Nova Scotia were analyzed. Brian's objective was to design and implement a coherent portering system reflecting the needs of all departments affected by a merger between different health centers. The problem Brian faced was similar to the ones faced at St. Paul's Hospital, and many of the issues raised are reflected in our study as well. Though Brian does suggest a few tangible recommendations, she mainly provides general insights into issues that should be addressed. In contrast, this study provides an extensive step-by-step implementation plan for organizing and managing porter operations. Other studies include Dershin and Shaikh in 1993, Sullivan and Frenzel in 1992, and Chowchua and Go in 1999. St. Paul's Hospital is an acute care, academic, and research hospital located in downtown Vancouver. It specializes in cardiac and renal care and HIV-AIDS treatment. With over 500 acute care beds in use and home to many world-class medical and surgical programs, the hospital serves both the local community and patients from across BC. St. Paul's Hospital also has a long-standing history of providing care to disadvantaged populations. At St. Paul's Hospital, the porter system consists of three centralized porters with most porter services managed and carried out at the ward unit level by either porters or ward aides. The management challenge was to identify the key issues and requirements to design a coherent centrally managed portering system. The nature of porter operations. St. Paul's Hospital relies heavily on porters to escort patients and materials throughout and between all hospital buildings. Though porters receive some specialized training, they are not responsible for providing any medical support or emergency care. The main focus of Porter Services is moving patients between different departments within the hospital. In addition, they transport blood products, lab specimens, x-ray results, wheelchairs, stretchers, and charts from one location to another as needed. Occasionally they are requested to move other equipment and objects. At busy times, other workers, such as nurses and ward staff, may be called upon to perform porter services to avoid delays for urgent cases. One of the biggest challenges St. Paul's faced was the lack of formal and consistent job description for porters. As a result, staff assigned as porters for various wards and units had different expectations and duties. Both ward aides and porters were expected to perform portering services. The porter service was managed locally at the discretion of each unit, and each unit was assigned a porter or porter contact. When a unit required porter services, they contacted that person directly and made the logistical arrangements. The process and decision-making varied widely. St. Paul's Hospital had one centralized porter serving all units 24 hours a day to provide additional assistance. When a unit required the services of the central porter, they paged him or her directly. The porter then called back to make arrangements on a first-come, first-served basis. Due to high volumes, the radiology department had several porters and a local dispatch center. When a a movement at the radiology department was required, the designated dispatcher sought out an available porter and handed him or her a slip with information regarding the job. After a porter completed the job, he or she returned to the radiology department so that the dispatcher could see that he or she was available. Challenges. The greatest challenges to the porter system resulted from the absence of a centralized management system. Most porters were managed by individual departments, and job assignment rules, tasks, workloads, and priorities differed greatly across the hospital. The centralized porter and porters that served multiple units were often unclear about their responsibilities, In addition, users, including the nurses and unit heads, were unclear about which porter they should call for which job type. On some occasions, both wards and diagnostic areas would contact different porters for the same job. Also, due to lack of communication between diagnostic areas and wards, trips were sometimes cancelled or the porters would arrive with the wrong equipment. Scheduling and prioritizing was not done systematically. St. Paul's did not have a system in place to determine the priority of different patient or material moves. The porters that served several units would receive the requests and prioritize the jobs themselves. Appointment times were not often known and consequently often not met. As a result, low-priority jobs could end up being served ahead of more urgent jobs, resulting in patients waiting long periods of time for porters and consequently delaying medical or diagnostic procedures. At the time of this study, no standards or performance measurements were in place. Furthermore, there were little or no data available regarding movement volumes, transport times, or delays. There was little opportunity for users to provide suggestions or present issues regarding the performance of porter services or for porters to provide feedback to units. In addition, as a consequence of St. Paul's Hospital being an older facility, Hallways and elevators were often crowded, making patient movements difficult. Study Approach One of the biggest challenges the study team faced was that the study began shortly after a job action by the union representing the porters. Though the job action was resolved, there still remained some hostility and skepticism towards management, and in particular with regards to projects entitled Assessing the Efficiency of Porter Operations. Since the success of the study would rely on the cooperation and support of the porters, dispatchers, and porter managers, it was crucial for the team to gain their confidence and trust. By working closely with managers to clearly explain the objectives of the study and actively seek input from the porters, the team was able to overcome the challenge and gain their confidence. Once the porters trusted the team, they were extremely supportive of the study, cooperated at all levels, and were interested to hear about the study outcomes. The study team conducted a series of meetings and interviews with management, porters, and user groups. In addition, team members followed porters as they carried out their activities to gain a better understanding of the portering process and insight into potential bottlenecks. At the time of the study, St. Paul's did not have a system in place to capture trip volumes or times, and as a consequence, there was no opportunity to do a statistical analysis regarding movement times and demand distributions. To compensate for the lack of data, the teams, together with management, designed data collection forms which were distributed to departments that were heavy users of Porter services. Though the data collected did provide some insight regarding peak periods of demand, it was not sufficiently detailed to provide clear recommendations. However. One major benefit of the data collection exercise was that it gave management a better appreciation of what data is needed to better evaluate the system, and therefore provided a basis for a future potential data collection system. Recommendations The authors of this study provided St. Paul's Hospital management with a step-by-step series of recommendations to design and manage the Porter system. While these were developed specifically for St. Paul's Hospital, the authors believe they apply to any hospital, striving to develop an efficient Porter system, and interested in adopting a modeling approach similar to that which the authors used in their in-depth study at Vancouver General Hospital. These steps should be implemented before an in-depth quantitative study of Porter operations can be carried out. Number 1. Define and clarify the roles and responsibilities of porters and ward aides. Clear job descriptions eliminate confusion and clarify the roles of these staff members. A hospital wide understanding of what porters are responsible for would likely res- result in increased porter morale and improved patient flow. 2. Develop a system to assign job priorities. Due to the limited capacity of porters, a priority system is necessary to ensure that urgent trips have precedence when a queue for the patient or non-patient movements builds up. It is essential that any established priority system can be decided and communicated on a hospital-wide basis and is created with input from all parties effective. 3. Establish clear processes and communication guides for porter requests. 4. Identify and collect time stamps in the porter movement process. Proper tracking of these timestamps enable management to track f- system effectiveness, monitor porter si- performance, and identify where bottlenecks occur. These timestamps also are the basis for system performance metrics. 5. Establish performance metrics, r- response targets, and performance standards by priority. After establishing a priority system for different patient, non-patient moves, users are to be aware of targets and standards to be expected, For example, what is the maximum time a unit should have to wait until a porter is dispatched, arrives at the ward, and finishes a job? These performance measurements must be communicated hospital-wide. 6. Establish a system for monitoring and evaluating performance. Once the performance metrics, targets, and standards have been established, it is crucial that management follows up and monitors performance and provides managers and users with an analysis and summary of this information. 7. Establish a feedback system. Creating a feedback system through such methods as user meetings, surveys, monthly memos, and postings on internal websites will result in fewer complaints and more of a team attitude towards Porter services an effective feedback loop will allow all parties to express their concerns while creating a forum to continually address problems and find solutions. Feedback can be both qualitative, for example rude behavior notice from a porter, or it can be quantitative, for example 50% of the time the porters are usually 10 minutes late. The reporting of performance data will provide porters, managers, and users with an improved communication forum. Eight collect data. St. Paul's Hospital needs to implement a data collection method to improve the ability of management to track and analyze the Porter system. As different departments have different requirements, it is important that users and Porter managers work to establish data collection formats that meet a variety of needs. Manual data collection can be the first step. However, implementation of an electronic data entry method should be the end goal for St. Paul's Hospital to make data analysis a much less time-consuming process. Data collection protocols must be established in a fashion that supports any implemented standards and metrics. 9. Determine system structure. St. Paul's Hospital needs to determine a consistent structure for porters operations on a hospital-wide basis. The author's research suggests that a hybrid system would work best in which heavy-volume departments still have their own porters during peak times, but a majority of porters would be managed and assigned through a central dispatch. In this situation, a manager could have control over porter operations and porters, could be more effectively scheduled, and managed to meet demand in different departments. A computer simulation model would enable St. Paul's Hospital to review various scenarios and determine what the best system structure should be. 10. Investigate implementation of automated dispatch system. The use of a dispatcher and a dispatching support system could greatly increase the organization and efficiency of porter operations. Several automated or semi-automated dispatching software programs use pre-program methodology to dispatch porters for jobs and track and record their patient movement. Such software programs are also useful re- for recording and storing data. However, it is important to emphasize that Prior to investigating in or developing such a system, the above steps must be implemented. A software package is only a support tool to assist the implementation of a new structure, and not a solution by itself. This study and implementation plan has resulted in a formal review plan of portering organization and process. These recommendations have provided the basis for discussion among management, user groups, porter staff, and external parties of how the future porter operations should be handled. Though the tradition to improve porter services is currently underway, there have not been any formal solutions implemented. One of the crucial insights from this study was the importance of good communications. The most frequent reason behind bottlenecks and inefficiencies stemmed from poor lines of communication. For a Porter system to work, it is essential that correct and timely information be available to all parties involved. In addition, it is important that well-designed feedback systems be in place. The objective is to get everyone to understand the process from a hospital-wide perspective and work together, ultimately to improve healthcare services. One of the key lessons learned was that to carry out studies such as these requires buy-in at all levels within the organization. Hoarders were concerned about job security, units were concerned about losing dedicated personnel, and management required unbiased recommendations. By involving all stakeholders at all stages of the process, results were well received and successfully implemented. The authors of this case study are Lee Chen, Mats Gershman, Frederick Odegaard, David Peterman, Martin Peterman, and Ryan Cui. From Longwoods Radio.